Welcome into a Friday edition of Hitting Hard with John Chuckery. Today on the show, defense, defense, defense for Trey. How far can Spencer Strider go? And it's time for the Falcons to get some Canton love. We'll talk about all that next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked on Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome into the Friday edition of Hitting Hard with John Chuck. We're here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. We ask you to head over to YouTube.com and find Locked On Sports Atlanta in the search browser. Subscribe to our page. Leave us a comment. Uh, always get a chance to read through those, so appreciate all the feedback there. Find us free and available on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Odyssey. Leave us a five-star review, and then follow me on my personal Twitter page, at JMCH316. Yesterday on uh, the radio station that I work at, we had the Hawks general manager, Landry Fields. And one of the things he was talking about and asked about is Trey Young and specifically getting better defensively. Now, of course, the Hawks brought in DeJounte Murray, one of the top defensive guards in, in the league. In fact, if you look at the defensive ratings for point guards uh, in the NBA, DeJounte Murray finished fifth in the NBA with a 108.5 rating. Trey Young, he finished 25th, sorry, 24th. I don't want to give him his due, right? 24th in the NBA with a 117.8 rating. Now, look, we know that defense is certainly a struggle for Trey, but I thought it was interesting how Landry Fields talked about the idea of really helping Trey focus and working with him to become a better defensive player. Now, do I expect Trey Young to be a top-tier elite defensive player? No. <clears throat> First off, that's not what they drafted him for, okay? N nobody went into the draft thinking that, okay, Trey Young's going to be one of the great two-way players in the league. He is a little bit smaller guy. He's not as big and thick as some other guys, right? I'll give him credit, you know, for a guy that, his reputation was, will he be able to hold up in the league? Is he going to get beat up and this and the other? He did play the eighth most minutes in the NBA last year. So he is pretty durable, played, you know, what, 75, 76 games last year for the Atlanta Hawks. And a couple of those games that he missed were because of COVID last year. So I'm not so much worried about the durability factor, but is he going to become a great defensive player? No, I don't think so. But I do think that having DeJounte Murray with him, you can't help but think that some of that can rub off on Trey Young. Now, I understand Murray's a bigger guy, more physical guy, led the league in steals, a little bit more aggressive and things like that. Do I need Trey Young to be a great defensive player? No. Would I love that? Yes. But that's not Trey's role on this team. And that's what I always kind of laugh about when people say, well, he's not a great defensive player. He's not paid to be a great defensive player. He didn't make his bones on all NBA by being a great defensive player. His job is to facilitate and score a bunch and lead this team. You know, for all of his defensive efficiencies, he also did, by the way, lead the league in all the most points scored and the most assists handed out. I can live with all that. Do I want him to be better than the 24th rated point guard in the NBA defensively? Yeah. But if he's, let's say, 18, 19, cool, 20, cool, 
I, I think he'll be a little bit better because he's going to focus on that. I think having a guy like DeJounte Murray with him that he can learn maybe a few little tricks of the trade. Yeah, he doesn't have the same physical kind of size and strength that DeJounte Murray does, but he'll pick up some tips and tricks. But I understand that it is a focus, and I understand that this team obviously has to be better. I want to say that the Hawks were 26th in the NBA as far as defensive rating goes. So I expect him to be a little bit better. We'll talk a little bit more of this in just a second here, but want to talk to you about my friends over at betonline.net. They're sponsoring the show today. Look, we're right in the middle of baseball season. Every day you've got something to bet on with baseball. You still got another major for golf coming up. You got boxing. You got MMA. You got all kinds of things going on. But if you got to get your fix in every day, betonline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. You can go to the website. You get all the latest sports developments, league reviews, news. You got all kinds of things that are there available to you. Sports wagering information, live betting, esports, scores, much, much more. Betonline.net is your best spot for all of your betting information, getting all of your odds making uh, out there. Again, you like baseball, you like MMA, you like boxing, golf, whatever it is, it's all available to you at betonline.net. Head to the website today, use your mobile device, learn about the trends and all the action going on there. Bet online is where the game starts. So look, Trey Young having a little bit different role. You're not going to ask him to line up against all the best scores out there. That's why DeJounte Murray, that's why having uh, DeAndre Hunter, that's why you hope those guys can cover some things out. But again, I thought it was interesting that Landry Fields really kind of pointed out about the idea of working with Trey Young. And obviously his head coach, Nate McMillan, was one of the great defensive point guards that we saw, right? I mean, that backcourt when they had Gary Payton and Nate McMillan, that's one of the great defensive backcourts of all time, right? I don't know if it's the best. I don't know if it's, you know, better than some others, whatever like that. But certainly that was part of their reputation. That's why Gary Payton was called the glove. And Nate McMillan himself was a pretty good defensive player. So you hope that through some coaching and things like that, that Trey Young can certainly get a little bit better defensively. But I'm not hanging my hat on the idea that he's got to be a top player. Now, again, I'm not going to go hot take like Skip Bayless did the other day and said, you know, if you saw the comments from Skip Bayless, oh, well, the reason that they brought in DeJounte Murray for the Hawks was because of all the deficiencies of Trey Young and the Hawks are realizing, you know, what his weaknesses are and this, then the other. No, you brought in DeJounte Murray because he made the most sense for your basketball team. He's a guy that can take some of the pressure off of Trey handling the basketball. He can free up Trey to play off ball. He's certainly a very good defensive player where you needed help there. And he's another guy who can score on his own, create his own shot, and facilitate. I would tell you that literally there hasn't been a better available guy. And, and listen to my words, better available guy that the Hawks could have gotten than DeJounte Murray. So for all the things that the Hawks needed to improve on, he's one of it. But if you think it's because the Hawks thought Trey's just deficient, he's just not going to be a guy that we can build around. No, that's ridiculous. That's nonsense. That's Skip Bayless trying to be hot takey and all that. And I did like Trey's response from the idea of saying that, you know, the Draymond Green saying that the new media is better than the old media and things like that. But anyway, Skip Bayless and his hot takiness aside, if Trey Young can just get a little bit better defensively, and I think that's going to be the big focus for Trey 
with having DeJounte Murray around is what can we do better defensively? Because as Landry Fields also has said, their number one priority in this offseason is to get better defensively. And part of that is guys have to stay on the court. DeAndre Hunter, Clint Capella, those guys have to play a full season. That's going to help your defense out some. Yes, Trey needs to get a little bit better as well. Yes, John Collins can improve defensively. And obviously having DeJounte Murray on this roster now is another guy who greatly improves it. So it'll be interesting to see if Trey Young gets a little bit better defensively. Can he be a guy that is at least maybe, you know, again, 18, 18 to 20? You know, can he improve a few spots? You look at some of the names of guys that are around him. Monte Morris, Tyrese Halliburton, Terry Rozier, uh, De'Aaron uh, Fox, Patty Mills, D'Angelo Russell. You know, Russell Westbrook is is up there. Can he be at least one of those guys? Possibly. You know, is he going to be Luka, Chris Paul, Marcus Smart, Steph Curry, DeJounte Murray, Kyle Lowry? No. No, he's not going to be one of those guys either. So set some expectations. I think he'll be a little bit better defensively. And some of that will be because DeJounte Murray Maybe some things will rub off on Trey that he's picked up and learned playing in the NBA. All right, when we get back, how far can Spencer Strider go this season? We'll talk about that next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked on Sports Atlanta. Back with you on Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked on Sports Atlanta. Remember, head over to YouTube.com, put Locked on Sports Atlanta into your search browser. When you find us, hit the subscribe button, leave us a comment there. And of course, free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Download us today, Spotify, Odyssey, whatever your favorite is. Hit us there with a five-star review. And of course, follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Last night, remember we uh, talked like, uh, I don't know, a few days, a week ago, whatever it was about the impact that the Braves have two of the top rookies, if not the top two rookies in the National League. Always remember, we're ahead of the curve here on uh, on this particular show. But Spencer Strider, last night it was about the rookies because Michael Harris hit the game-tying home run and you're hoping that maybe he could walk it off until that guy made that great catch out in center field. But Spencer Strider was the man last night. Struck out the first nine guys for outs uh, did not record an out that wasn't a strikeout until the fourth inning of that game, six innings, a hundred pitches, few hits, but no runs and 12 strikeouts in the game tonight. Now Strider on the year. This is a remarkable number 65 and two thirds innings with 102 strikeouts. By the way, he leads the Braves in number of strikeouts. He's actually one ahead of Charlie Morton now for a guy who's only made eight starts. Pitched in 19 games, but has only made eight starts this season. Now, the question becomes, and it was interesting because I had this discussion with a guest of mine that covers the Braves yesterday. We were trying to figure out the idea of how far can Spencer Strider go? Let me throw a couple of things out at you just to give you some context because as uh, we say in the wrestling world, context is king. In a couple of years at Clemson, um, when he pitched uh, pitched there, 2018, he pitched 51 innings. In 2020, he pitched in 12 innings. So he barely pitched in college, didn't have a whole lot of work in college. And then he got drafted. And then last year in four different organizations, he played for Gwinnett, Mississippi, Rome, and Augusta. So he went all through their system, right? A, a ball, double A ball, triple A ball. He went all through their system. In total, 
He only pitched 94 innings last year. Most of the innings he pitched were in Mississippi with 63 innings. So that's where he made the bulk of his starts. He made 14 starts for Mississippi last year and pitched in a total of 63 innings. And then he had only one inning at Gwinnett, 14 in Rome, 15 in Augusta. So all told, he only pitched 94 innings in his first professional season. He's already at 65 and two-thirds innings. How far can he go? Because I do think it is very realistic to start having the discussion about making sure that Spencer Strider is stretched out and ready to go, not just as we're in the second half, but most importantly is you want him for the playoffs, obviously. Whether that's he's going to make a start, whether that he comes out of the bullpen, whatever his role is going to be, and right now it would probably be a start. Can you imagine Spencer Strider in a playoff scenario? Because in the playoffs, obviously, the number one thing I look for out of a pitcher in a playoff game, do you have swing and miss stuff? Can you record outs without contact? That's my big thing about playoff baseball. Give me a guy who throws hard and gets a lot of outs with contact. It's not coincidence that guys like John Smoltz were very successful in the playoffs or Randy Johnson were very successful in the playoffs. Give me swing and miss stuff every day over even the Tom Glavins or the Greg Maddoxes and things like that. So Strider's very intriguing from that standpoint, but you do have to start thinking about how much do we work this kid? And obviously where he started in the bullpen in the very first half of the year and converted to a starter, there's none of that now. He's one of your starters. In fact, and this may sound crazy, but is he your third best starter? If I have Freed and Kyle Wright, is he better than Morton? Is he better than Ian Anderson? I think he's definitely better than Ian Anderson right now. If you told me hand the ball to one guy and it's Anderson or Strider, I'd give the ball to Strider right now. Now, Morton has been more consistent here lately than he was in the early part of the year. I'm going to chalk up his early season struggles to two things. One is he didn't get much of a spring training and two he was coming off of injury. So we'll talk more about this here in just a second. But, hey, have you got have you got a bunch of these subscriptions? You know, right? We've got Netflix and Hulu and Disney and, and all these different things. Have you got a whole bunch of these subscriptions that you literally don't realize that you have and you haven't looked at how much money you're spending every month? Well, I'm here to talk to you about Truebill. Truebill is a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, you don't want, or simply forgot about. On average, the average person saves about $720 a year with Truebill. And right, look, we're all in this digital world, right? I mean, it's ESPN Plus, and we got Disney, and we got this, and we got that. Half this stuff we don't even know about. Sometimes we have subscriptions that we don't even remember that we signed up for and a girlfriend's got our or an ex-wife or whatever. Somebody else has our password to something and is still using it for something that we don't remember and signed up for. Truebill is here to help you. People save all kinds of money with Truebill. Don't fall subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com and go to Truebill.com slash NBA. That's Truebill.com slash slash, excuse me, locked on NBA. You can save thousands of dollars a year by doing this. Like I said, the average person saves $720, but a lot of us don't realize 
what we have and what we don't have as far as subscription goes. So go to truebuild.com slash locked on NBA today and start saving some money. But right now I would tell you that if I've got my third option now could Strider pitch himself into a hundred, 120 innings. That's like a lot, doesn't it? For a guy who only pitched 94 innings last year. And remember Strider is so young and, and it's more than just saying, well, he's young and flexible, handle this and this, that, and the other. It is a little bit different for pitchers, right? And especially guys who throw hard, you never really racked up a whole bunch of, inning you have to get your arm kind of accustomed to that you know if you're a guy throwing 100 miles an hour i don't care if it is very you know you have to ton of that and things like that throwing 100 miles an hour is throwing 100 and there does come a point where your arm isn't used to a whole bunch of those things we're probably not quite at that point just yet as we're only into the early part of july here but i do think that it is something to watch and for instance, you know, I, I think that they are going to try to push Strider a little bit more. Last night, it didn't be so much, but he did hit 100 pitches. He hit 100 pitches. Thing too is understand that when a guy strikes out a lot of people, his pitch is going to go up. If you're striking out 12, 14, 15 guys, you ain't a whole lot of one pitch. He's throwing a pitch to opposite up to second base. You start striking a bunch of guys out. You are racking up some additional pitch counts. And he walked a couple of guys, gave up a few hits and things like that. So you're going to just naturally have your pitch count go up because of the style that you pitch out of all of it. But it will be interesting to see, can Strider get, you know, 100, 120 innings this year? But most importantly is you have to think about making sure that his arm is ready to go come playoff time. And depending on how this thing shakes out in the second half, I mean, if right now I said Max Fried and Kyle Wright, that's my one-two guys in my starting rotation, who knows if by September to October, we don't talk about Strider being the guy that I want third in that rotation. Well, you better make sure that he's ready to go at that point and ready for playoff baseball. So this will be interesting to monitor. We'll see how Snitker handles it, but don't be surprised if you don't see some skips and starts and things like that for Strider as we move into August and head to September. All right, when we come back on the show, it's time for the Falcons to get some love from Canton. We'll talk about that next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked on Sports Atlanta. It is hitting hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, reminding you head over to youtube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser. When you find us, hit that subscribe button, leave us a comment as well. Appreciate all the feedback that we get there. Of course, free and available on all your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, Odyssey. Hit us up there and then download us and also give us a five star review. Hit me up on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Yesterday, we got uh, news from the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame talking about their semifinalists and things like that. We also, too, yesterday got the list of the senior and coach slash contributor semifinalists. And the Falcons are pretty well represented in this. Mike Ken uh, is on the list. Tommy Novus is on the list. Billy White Shoes Johnson, George Coons, Chris Hinton. 
Clay Matthews Jr., who obviously didn't spend a lot of time here, but he was a former Atlanta Falcon. Former Falcons head coach Dan Reeves and Rich McKay uh, was on the list as well. Now, here's the thing. You know, are the Falcons well represented in Canton, Ohio? No, they're not. They're not very well represented. But it's time to give the Falcons a little bit love. When you go through this list, there are some guys who absolutely, to me, should be in the Hall of Fame. And I was so glad when Claude Humphrey finally got in. I mean, you look at some of Claude Humphrey's numbers, they're absurd. And yes, unfortunately, he played in an era where sacks were not an official statistic in the NFL. So a lot of his numbers don't really show up. In fact, Pro Football Focus had to go, or not Pro Football Focus, but Pro Football Reference had to go back in time and really put together his his numbers, and you look in his rookie year, he had 13 and a half sacks. But unfortunately, there's no real credited number for that because sacks weren't a stat until 1982. So it does that those kinds of little things may not sound like much, but they don't necessarily help out the Falcons. But when you look at this list, it is time for Mike Ken. It is especially time for Tommy Nobis. And it's Dan Reeves as well. I mean, those are the first three that stick out to me that it's time to make sure that those guys get in the hall of fame. Now I think Dan is going to get in the hall of fame and I had a chance to meet Dan Reeves, had a chance to talk to him a few different times and, and God bless him, you know, RIP to the great, you know, coach. But I, I've said this many times when you talk about guys who were the best living ambassadors of the game of football, Bill Curry and Dan Reeves were the first two guys that always came to mind. Dan was a guy who played for one of the great organizations. Obviously, he's from Georgia here, from the state of Georgia, played at South Carolina. But he played for one of the great professional football organizations of all time in the Dallas Cowboys, playing for Tom Landry. Played in famous games. He played in the Ice Bowl. Okay, Then he becomes an assistant coach with Tom Landry. They win Super Bowls in Dallas. Then, obviously, he takes over the Denver Broncos and takes John Elway and the Broncos to multiples of Super Bowls. And then, obviously, was here with Atlanta and took the Dirty Birds to the Super Bowl in 1998. Dan is an NFL legend. With all due respect, he should be a no-brainer to go to the Hall of Fame. I know he didn't win a Super Bowl. With all due respect, Bud Grant and some of these other guys, Marv Levy, those guys are all Hall of Fame coaches. You go to four Super Bowls, you're a Hall of Fame coach, right? I mean, in my mind, there's not much question about that. Not to mention the fact that playing and coaching for Landry, just his whole thing. He's one of the great ambassadors of all time. Tommy Nobis, to me, I don't really understand what the deal is as to why Tommy Nobis isn't in the Hall of Fame. And I get that the Falcons were bad, but... You can't have as many guys like the Dick, Dick Butkuses of the world talk so glowingly about Tommy Nobis and not find a spot for him. I get that the Falcons franchise stunk it up for a whole bunch of years. I get that. But Tommy Nobis is one of the great players in the history of the NFL. Maybe because the stats aren't there, that we don't have all of that statistical data. Maybe because we don't have the highlight reel stuff that it's not there. But... Nobus should absolutely already be in the Hall of Fame. All right, we'll get to, back to this discussion here in just a minute. But want to tell you about my friends over at Coffee AM, the best small batch coffee roaster in America. Listen, these guys are local to the Atlanta metro area. They're up in Canton. Great online coffee company. CoffeeAM.com is the place that you want to go. And listen, I got to be telling you honestly, 
I am drinking their coffee every single day. You know, I'm a coffee holic. You know, I like my multiple cups of coffee in the morning. I'm sitting here right now with another cup of their coffee. I got the K cups. I got the ground. They have such a great selection of coffees, teas, and gift sets. You want to go to coffeeam.com today. Check out their wide selection of all the different blends and brews. You like flavored coffees. You like boutique coffees. You like lighter roast. You like darker roast. You like K-cups. You like teas, gift sets. Everything is there at coffeeam.com. And here's what I got going for you. Head over to coffeeam.com slash locked on. coffeeam.com slash locked on. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. When you go there, search around on their website. Check out what they've got. Put your order together. Check out their coffees, teas, and gift sets. And when you do that, I want you to use the coupon code at checkout, Locked On. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Locked On. Put that coupon code in when you get to the checkout, and you're going to get 15% off your first order. 15% off just by using the code Locked On at checkout. Coffees, teas, gift sets, whatever it is, 15% off your first order. Check out my friends at coffeeam, coffeeam.com, right here locally in Canton, in the state of Georgia. So the other guy, Mike Ken, is another guy who absolutely should be in the Hall of Fame. And what, what's crazy is, is that he was a first-team All-Pro guy. He made four Pro Bowls, and he played 17 years as a starter in the NFL. You would think that just that reputation – Think about how many guys play 17 years in the NFL. Now, I understand, you know, when you say four Pro Bowls in an an all-pro season in 17 years, maybe that's not impressive. But four Pro Bowls in an all-pro season is four Pro Bowls in an all-pro season. And the fact that he played so long and was able to start in the league for 17 years should tell you about how good of a player he was. I mean, you're not going to play 17 years in the NFL by being some vagabond or just some Johnny come lately or whatever like that, or some ham and egger, right? You got to be a pretty good player to play that long. But again, I understand that the Falcons weren't a very good franchise for so long, you know, until Dion and Jerry, that really was what started to turn the national perception of the Falcons, right? You know, the red, uh, um, the, um, uh, the the oh, what's the the offense that they were not the red gun offense, but you know that spread wide open offense that Mouse Davis and June Jones brought into uh, this team. Dion Jerry jo- or Jerry Glanville, excuse me, with the belt buckle and you know too legit to quit. That really kind of turned some of the perception of the Falcons, right? They became kind of cool and hip, black uniforms playing on turf, right? They became cool and hip, and then Michael Vick, obviously what he did for the franchise and bringing that to national prominence. You know, he, he was certainly the most exciting player in the NFL for a few years there. And then brought the greatest period of stability and winning to the franchise where they were in the national conversation about actually being a good football franchise. But all of those years and decades before all of that, in the beginning, Marion Campbell, Norm Van Brocklin, you know, in all of those years that the Falcons had. Yeah, Steve Barkowski was a really good player, but they were not a relevant franchise, right? William Andrews, a good player. Robert Jackson, a really good player. They had a lot of different good players individually, but they were a very relevant team, right? Yeah, the Grit Splits team and all that, some records and things like that, but they were more remembered for Danny White coming back on them, right? 
right? The great comeback from Danny White and against the Cowboys, but not a relevant franchise. And unfortunately, so many of those guys are paying the price for it. So it is time for Canton to recognize if you just can Tommy and Dan Reeves, and I don't think Dan much of a problem getting in, but it is time for Nobis and Mike Ken to get in the Hall of Fame and be recognized for how great that they really were. All right, we thank you so much for making Hitting Hard a part of your daily routine and making us your first listen. We want you to make ATL Day Ones your second listen. My friends Jarvis Davis and Tanitra Batiste talking about all things in the heart of the city of Atlanta, covering all your favorite teams, Hawks, Bulldogs, Falcons, everything that they have there. They are free and available on our YouTube page as well. Locked on Sports Atlanta, subscribe today. Free and available too to download on your favorite podcast platform, Spotify, Odyssey, also, give me a follow, if you would, please, on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Everybody have a great weekend. We will talk to you early Monday morning. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckry on Locked on Sports Atlanta.